You're listening to Marks of a Healthy Church, a Sunday school series taught by the elders and deacons of Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. All right, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all today. Thanks for coming to Sunday school class. Um, So as we mentioned a little while ago, uh, Andrew was scheduled to start a series on the book of Philippians this week. However, uh, because of his vacation schedule, they're away this weekend, and so he's going to start next week. And so we thought it would be appropriate to kind of wrap up the whole series on prayer by looking at Jesus and his prayer life, and then spending time today praying together. And so what I've done, and what you have in front of me, in front of you, it's in front of me too, is uh, 15 attributes of God. There's also a verse there that will give you a little bit about the attribute and uh, a short description of it. And my thought for this is, we've been talking a lot about the way that Jesus taught us to pray and the way that the people in the Bible prayed, and we see that very often they pray and their prayers are filled with praise, right? They don't just go, dear Jesus, I need this and this and this and this. They don't just say, dear Jesus, heal this person, fix this problem, etc., What they do is they say, dear Jesus, thank you for who you are and for your attributes and your greatness and your glory. And and so um, I thought maybe by looking at these these attributes and having that that you can take home and bring home, it might be one of those things that you can use while you're praying. Maybe you could look at one of those attributes and look at that verse and and read the scripture and and then pray and thank God for maybe two of those things every day and just keep that as an ongoing list. You can even add attributes as they go because there's so many more than that. Um, And then I thought today what I'd like to do is I would like to hand out a longer description of each of those attributes to 15 different people who are willing to pray. And then I'd like to do it so that when we pray together in the end, we'll take one of these attributes and, and each person will pray for the attribute that they have. And then they'll also pray for something that's going on in our church, something that's going on in their lives, something that, just something that, that would be relevant for us to all pray about together. So I thought that's how we could, we could run our prayer time. And so I will need 15 people who are willing to pray. Okay. Good. Good. So all of these attributes I just handed out, you have in short form in front of you. You can take them home and use that sheet if you want to. If not, you can throw out all the attributes of God. <laughs> the p- paper that has the descriptions. All right, uh, why don't we pray, and then we'll get into our short lesson today before we spend the bulk of our class praying. All right, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're our God. We thank you that we come to you as uh, children who have been rescued by our Father, that you've um, sent your Son to do what we couldn't do, to pay the punishment that uh, we deserved. And Lord, we thank you now uh, that we can come boldly to your throne and and beg you to work in our lives and help us and to, um, to do what we can't do in this church. And so, God, I pray that as we look at your word today, that you would um, encourage us by uh, just how Jesus prayed, that we would see his pattern and we would try to emulate that. And God, I pray for a pastor as he preaches, that you'd give him your words. And as we think about the church together this morning, again, you would um, teach us what your design is, that we would have a church that is modeled after the Word of God, um, the way you've taught us to uh, live together in community, and that we'd have a church that seeks your will and your glory. Uh, 
Lord, I pray that we would just be a, a church that you can use for your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, for your love for us, and please help us as we look today. Um, pray in Jesus' name, amen. We have already looked at length at the Lord's Prayer. And so anytime you talk about how did Jesus teach us to pray and what, what model did he give and what pattern did he give, I think that's the natural place to start. Because we already spend a lot of time about it, I just want to remind you that when Jesus taught us to pray, he began, first of all, with our Father. And, and that talks about a couple things even there, that first of all, God has revealed himself to us, his children, as a father, okay, as a loving father who does all the things that a good father ought to do. He takes care of us. He protects us. He guides us. He leads us. Uh, he disciplines us when needed. And so that's how we, we relate to God as Father. But it's not just my Father, it's our Father. And so this prayer is clearly corporate in nature. That, that it's a group of people gathering together to pray. And so it begins with this relationship. It continues with praise. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's, it's about the greatness and the glory of God. So at the same time, Jesus taught us to say, God, you're close to me, you're near to me, you're my Father, but you're also great and mighty and awesome and, and so much more wonderful than I can imagine. That's kind of the, this amazing thing about prayer is that it shows us how we should think properly about God. He continues and he talks about God's will and wanting God's will in this world. And I think then in our own lives as well, let, let thy will be done. Well, I can't pray and ask God's will to be done in the world if I, don't, if I don't want it in my life, right? And so we pray that, God, you're my Father, you're close to me, but you're awesome and you're mighty and you're holy, and God, I want your will to be done. And what a great way to begin a prayer. Before we ask for anything, we recognize who, who God is and what he's done and, and desiring his will for our lives. Then we get into our needs. So we ask for daily bread. We ask for God to help us to forgive others and that he would forgive us. We ask God to help us to overcome sin and temptation in our lives, and we ask God to deliver us from evil. These are the prayer requests that he gives us. Now, that doesn't mean that that's all the prayer requests you can ever pray for, but it does give us an idea of the things we should be praying for. And I wonder if we looked at our prayer request list, if it resembles the needs that Jesus told us to pray for. And then he concludes his teaching on the model prayer with with praise once again. Thine is the glory, the power, forever and ever. Amen. So we have the pattern, the, the model prayer for us. Then I want you to see Jesus' pattern of prayer. And so what I've done is I've looked at the different times in the Bible that Jesus prayed. First, he prayed in Luke chapter 3 at his baptism, verses 21 and 22. He then prays again in Mark chapter 1, verse 35 and 36. This is the morning before heading to Galilee. And the Bible says that he rose up early to pray. So he prays before his baptism. Then he goes and he's about to do some ministry across the sea. And he rises up early because he knows the day ahead of him is going to be taxing. There's going to be lots of people. And so he, he prays to ask for help in those things. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, he prays after healing people. And the Bible says that at that point, He's been with the people, he's been healing people, and he withdraws into the wilderness to pray. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, he prays all night before he chooses his 12 apostles. So all night long, stays up and prays. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, he prays while speaking to the Jewish leaders. 
I mean, imagine him praying this prayer with them present. Thank you, Father, for hiding these things from the wise and the prudent and revealing them to babes. God, clearly these people who are religious and they think so highly of themselves can't see. They don't, they don't have eyes to see. But Lord, thank you for revealing these glorious truths to babies, to the foolish. He prays uh, in John 6.11 as he gives thanks before the feeding of the 5,000. He prays again in Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, before walking on the water. And this is where he goes into the mountain away from the people to pray by himself. He prays in Matthew 7, 31 to 37, while healing a deaf and a mute man. He asks God to do the healing. In Matthew 15, 36, he prays before giving thanks to the feeding of the 4,000. In Luke 9, verse 18, he prays before Peter called Jesus the Christ. Uh, and th- at this point, he was praying alone, the Bible says, but then it says he was praying with his disciples. And so at times he prayed by himself. At times he prayed in a large group publicly. At times he prayed um, so everybody could hear him bless the Father for the food. And at times he prayed uh, with his disciples in a small group. Uh, in Luke chapter 9, verse 18, sorry, in Luke chapter 9, verse 28 and 29, he prays at the Mount of Transfiguration. I think I've always pictured him just going up to the Mount and then all of a sudden this happened, but he actually went up there to pray and as he was praying, he was transfigured. In Luke chapter 10, verse 21, he prays when the 70 return from going out. In Luke 11, verse 1, he prays before teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer. It's interesting that it's actually his prayer that prompts them to say, Lord, teach us to pray like that. There it says he prayed in a certain place, and it's, that makes it sound like there was a place that he often prayed. It was this, this certain place that he prayed. In John 11, verses 41 to 42, he prayed before raising Lazarus from the dead. In Matthew 19, 13 to 15, he prayed before laying hands on the children. He prayed that God would bless the children. John 12, 27 to 28, he asked the Father to glorify his name. He said, Lord, save me from this hour. But I know that this is why I've come. And so God, glorify your name in me. It's a great prayer. Matthew 26, 26, he prays at the Lord's Supper. Luke 22, 31 to 32, he prays for Peter's faith when Satan is going to sift him like wheat. In John 17, 1 26, this is the great high priestly prayer. This is where he prays for himself, for his disciples, and for all believers before heading to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the true Lord's Prayer. And if you ever want to be encouraged, if you're ever feeling down, if you're ever struggling in your faith, turn to John chapter 17 and read it. And understand that Jesus prayed those words for his disciples and for all those who would come after them. He prayed those words for us. It's a great thing. In Matthew chapter 26, 36 to 46, uh, he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's betrayed for three times. He prays, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, thine be done. Luke 23, 34, before being nailed to the cross, he prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then again on the cross, Matthew 27, 46, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Finally, on the cross, on his dying breath, 
He said, Father, into, my, into thy hands I commend my spirit. In Luke 24, verse 30, he prays a blessing on the bread before he ate with the disciples after his resurrection. And then finally, in Luke 24, verses 50 to 53, he blesses the disciples before his ascension. Like, I mean, the very last thing he does after giving the commission is he's praying for them, and as he's praying for them, he ascends into heaven. It's a great, great way to finish. Uh, and so as we, as we look at the prayer life of Jesus, we can see that he prays often and he prays in a lot of different circumstances. And I think we've seen that as we've gone through all of the Bible lessons on prayer. All of these people, Nehemiah comes to mind specifically, in so many different circumstances. It's not just the exact same thing, the exact same time, the exact same place. It seems like his prayers are sometimes planned and sometimes impromptu and sometimes short and sometimes long. There's so much that we can learn from just the pattern we see in Jesus' life. And so, I have a couple questions I want to ask you to make sure that we're all kind of getting this and then we can get into praying together. First of all, when we look at Jesus' prayer life, who did he pray with? Who did he pray with? Disciples. Disciples. Anybody else? Who else did he pray with? Sinners. Sinners? Good. Yeah. Who else? Huh? Himself. Good. He prayed when he was by himself. Nobody else there. I mean, him and Him and God. When I, and obviously when I say God, I understand Jesus is God. I'm not, I'm not trying to put the two against each other. I know I said that a few times, that he prayed that God would do this, and he's God, and it can be confusing, but hopefully you're all following. Okay. Yeah, I mean, religious leaders. I, I mean, it, it actually is, is interesting to see Jesus praying with large crowds of people who are there often for selfish reasons. Okay, It wasn't like, like he was like, no, no, no. When we pray, the only time I will ever talk to God is when I know everybody in the room is saved and we're all, we're all desiring the same thing. So that's, that's great. Um, public prayer with unbelievers. Yeah. Good. Good answers. All right. Um, when did he pray? So when did Jesus pray? Often. Good. Early in the morning and late at night and sometimes through the whole night. Good. Any other times? There's... Times you can think of that he prayed? All the time? Yeah, good. That kind of covers everything. That's cheating. <laughs> okay. Any other specific circumstances you can think of that he prayed in? At meals. At meals. Good. He prayed. He blessed. I mean, it, that's actually really consistent that Jesus, every time he breaks bread, seems to pray. Good. He prayed at the cross. So going through an incredibly difficult, awful circumstance, and, and he's praying. Miles. Right before he did things. Yes, before he, he went out to minister, sometimes after he finished ministry, and sometimes right before he, he healed someone or he did a miracle. Good. Great. You guys are doing great. All right. What did he pray for? God's will to be done. God's will be done. Right. He prayed, not my will, but thine be done. Right? Disciples. He prayed for his disciples. The people that he was ministering to. Yeah, the people he's ministering to. Good. Healing. healing. He prayed that people would be healed. Yeah, before healing them. Good. Good. He prayed just before the blessing of 5,000. Yep, before the blessing of 5,000. So that's before a meal and before a miracle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good. He prayed for those after the crucifixion that they would be strong and that he's prayed for us. Yeah, right, absolutely. He, he prayed for... for the disciples, he prayed for those who would come after them, and he prayed for us. That's, yeah. He prayed himself 
blind man. <laughs> the blind man, he did. Yeah, before he, he gave him sight. Um, he often prayed prayers of thankfulness. He prayed prayers of blessing on people, blessing on the children. Uh, good. Um, okay, so here I want us to, before we begin, just look at three key teachings that I think you see in the pattern of Jesus' prayer life. The first one is that God's people should pray. Okay, Jesus taught us, and he was quoting from Isaiah 56.7. So I'll, I'll read Isaiah 56.7. It says, Even them will I bring to a holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar, for my house shall be called the house of prayer for all people. And Jesus had a problem in the temple because he saw that the Jews were actually making it so that Gentiles were, were unable to pray, and instead it was becoming this uh, place of business, right? It was all about money. It was all about what they could sell things for and, and bartering and, and all those things. And so Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, 17, he taught them, saying unto them, it is, not, is it not written, my house should be called of all nations, the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And, and I love that because, first of all, Jesus is saying that stuff hasn't changed. Right? It, God's house is supposed to be a house of prayer. Why? Because God's people are supposed to be a praying people. But I also like that he went to the Old Testament to use it as, as a, an authority. Okay? Remember, anything that Jesus says, he's able, to use, he's able to say within his own authority, and often he did. But so often he also went... And he backed up his authority with the authority of the Word of God. And so we see very clearly that God's people should be a praying people. We've seen that all the way along. But Jesus, like his house, his place, when his people are gathered together, should be a house of prayer. Number two, prayer is the source of our power. And, and I want to give just one example of this. He said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. So how do we not fall to temptation though it's all around us and though we have a flesh that is given to it. How is that possible? I mean, the answer is given, but how do we often do it? So often we think, I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to do better, right? Okay, this is going to be the last time. Hmm. He said, watch and pray, right? Don't just try to stay awake. Watch and pray. I think it's easier said than done, but I wonder why often we try to do what God has called us to do in His power, in our own power. We want to do the right thing, we just want to do it in our own power. Um, remember the quote, prayerlessness is my declaration of independence from God? So prayerlessness in this case is saying, God, I don't need you to help me to do what you've called me to do. And we do need Him in every circumstance. Uh, the third thing we see very clearly is that if we pray, God will answer us. He is our Father, He loves us, and He delights in answering prayers that align with His will. And so I want to close, and then we will get into praying together with Luke chapter 11. Uh, In verses 1 to 4, Jesus teaches them the model prayer. He goes over the, our Father. And then in verse 5, He says this, He said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend? And shall go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in his journey to come, and I have nothing to set before him. And he, from within, shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut. My children are in bed. I cannot rise and give it to you. I say unto you, 
though he will not rise and give him because he is a friend, yet because of importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Okay, so I'm going to give a, a, a modern example of what he just said. Okay, so here's what he said is, it, you have a friend, you need some bread, you wake him up at night. If you continue to go back and forth to wake him up, eventually he'd just give you the bread, even though he's, he, he wouldn't give it to you just because he's a friend, he'd give it to you because he wants you to stop bothering him. Okay, so, <laughs> so, so people that have kids that cry at night, Okay, I mean, we do our best to like let them cry it out, but there are times you just need to sleep, and if, if you're trying to wean them from the bottle, sometimes you just, give, you just give them the bottle. You know that they shouldn't, but you just give it to them, right? That's the, this is the example he's saying. Sometimes we do things just because people keep asking and asking and asking. And so then he goes on and says in verse 9, And I ask unto you, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asks, receives, and he that seeks, finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be open. He says, it's not like, God is not hoping to hold things back from us. It's not, he wants to give it to us. So when we ask along the lines of his will, we shall receive. When we knock, it will be opened. Right? This is a glorious promise from Jesus teaching us that our prayer is not in vain, that God hears and answers prayers. He goes on in verse 11, If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? <laughs> Can you imagine? Your, your son comes to you to ask for some bread, and you're like, here's a rock. <laughs> <laughs> or an egg. <laughs> I have a scorpion. <laughs> I think the boys actually would like that. They'd be excited. <laughs> but do you get what he's saying? That like, hey, you're, you're a evil father. Yet you know. You know how to give your children good gifts. So he goes on in verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give, give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the the Holy Spirit, to them that ask Him. And by the way, it's not just give them whatever they want. It's not just give them fancy, shiny things. But the greatest gift, and the one that He uses as the example here, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He would give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. <clears throat> and He was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. So, here's a... I mean, teaching on prayer from Jesus. Okay? You ask, and it will be given to you. He is a, a father who loves to give good gifts to his children. And so we ought to go to him often and pray.